You're listening to a production of Swanson Media. Hey everybody, this is Joe Swanson. If you listen to the podcast on iTunes, could you please do me a favor and head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and review the show. I'd really appreciate all the support. I'd also love to hear what you guys have liked about the show over the last year. So please head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and review Selling Radio with Joe Swanson today. Thank you, everybody. Okay, so this is the last show of the year, and I have some treats in store for you. I'm really excited about this episode. In just a few minutes before you hear my talk with Nico, I'm going to let you guys preview a part of a conversation that I had with legendary tattooer Lyle Tuttle. Also in this episode, you're going to hear a conversation I had with my good buddy Paul Yurick, a tattooer and co-owner of Paisley Skateboards. Paisley is a San Francisco-based skateboard company that just released a signature deck with graphics by the tattoo artist The Grime. So exciting stuff coming up in this episode. So let's get to it. This episode of the show is brought to you by Kingpin Tattoo Supply. Kingpin can be found at kingpintattoosupply.com. Kingpin's huge year-end sale is still going on through January 1st, so get discounts on needles, tubes, shop supplies, and even 10% off selected inks, just like I did when I ordered Jess Yen's signature Eternal Ink. I also got 10% off when I picked up a couple of bottles of Fusion Ink from the Nico Hurtado set, so I'm looking forward to using those. Time is running out on this sale, so through January 1st, visit kingpintattoosupply.com or call them at 888 888- 299-5675 to make your order and save Kingpin Tattoo Supply for the artist since 1996. The show is also brought to you by Inkies Tattoo Products. You can use the promo code Sullen Radio when ordering at Inkies.com and you'll get a free sample pack of Inkies products with your order. Inkies Tattoo Ointment is used by world-class tattooers like Steve Butcher, Josh Duffy, Big Sleeps, Big Gus, Rich Pineda, and Carlos Torres. Make your next tattoo session better for both you and your client. Get a jar of Green Glide or pick up some new essential oil-infused Purple Glide ointment today at Inkies.com. Remember when you check out, use the promo code Sullen Radio to get a free sample pack of Inkies products. Numb, heal, and protect with Inkies. Welcome to Sullen Radio, everybody. I'm Joe Swanson. So back in August, I had a wonderful opportunity to sit down for an evening with one of tattooing's living legends, Lyle Tuttle. Lyle had invited me up to his house in San Francisco and over a few plates of Italian food and some tequila, we talked about his life and how it's been affected and continues to be affected by tattooing. As you can imagine, this was a super fun night for me. We ended up recording over three hours of conversation. I've teased it before, but I'm very interested in releasing this conversation with Lyle as a podcast series, and I'm looking for an advertising partner. So if anyone listening is or knows somebody that would be interested in getting involved in this project, please email me, joe at sullenradio.com. Now enjoy this story about how walking across the threshold of a tattoo shop changed Lyle's life forever. I had no idea when I stepped across the thresholds of that tattoo shop where it was taking me. I mean, I went into a magical mystery tour, vortex that has taken me all over the world. No tattoo artist will ever have the time and space that I've had. This is Across the Threshold with Joe Swanson. 
you've been being influenced by culture like that here in San Francisco since you were a kid. Yeah. You came, you told me you came to San Francisco, 14 years old, on a trip to find out what these guys, these sailors that you had seen coming back to Ukiah had. They had tattoos and they had something and they, you were seeking that out. Talk about that time and, and well, your influence okay. with San Francisco because it, it must have been an overwhelming as a 14-year-old kid coming into that into the well, city. Actually, uh, in 1939, and then it, it was so popular that it extended it to 1940, was um, the Pacific International Exposition on Treasure Island which now is over there and it become a Navy base and it become this, but it's, it, it, it's, Yerba Buena Island is uh, right in the middle of the Bay Bridge and then to the north of it is Treasure Island. And uh, now it's like condominiums and stuff over there. But anyhow, it wound up and they have a hell of a good flea market. I haven't made it over there yet because I love flea markets. I'm a junkie. You like to get stuff. You like to have stuff and collect stuff. You said to me tonight, if you have two of something, you got a collection of it. Exactly. And then you really don't you have a collection when you have to inventory it. That's <laughs> above and beyond. Yes. But anyhow, so my parents come down and seen the Pan Pacific, not the Pan Pacific, the Pacific International Exposition. The Pan Pacific Exposition was out here in 1912. But um, they didn't take me to that. <laughs> but anyhow uh, so I looked across the bay and I seen those tall buildings and bright lights and stuff and I knew there was some chicanery going on over there that wasn't going on in Boomville, California right? which is about 120 miles north of San Francisco on Highway 101 I said on an interview show one time and I got the raspberries from people up in Ukiah that you get on the Golden Gate Bridge and you go north a hundred and some miles and when you can't hear anything, you know you're there. Well, I w they, they said, what are you knocking the area for? I said, I'm not knocking the area. God damn it. You live in this city and you get your ears goddamn violated every day with, with all this stuff and you go up there and you can't hear nothing. You're in high cotton, mm -hmm. you know, or high nowadays high marijuana plants because <laughs> that's the southern reaches of the emerald triangle i think i'm the only person up there that doesn't raise weed and doesn't smoke weed i mean i don't you know i'm, a, right. I'm hey, not for popular causes what was that first experience like you told me the first time you went to san francisco and you were not much for a 14 year old kid to do no. you were you i i cite on that yeah. Uh, bus station, too, because that was your home. Well, here's what happened was that I was 10 months and... No, I was 10 years and two months old to the day when the Japanese bombed Pearl Harbor. I was born October 7th, 1931, and on December 7th, 1941, they bombed Pearl Harbor. So, all through the war, it was be guys returning that had for various reasons, leaves or being discharged or something, but they'd have a tattoo dribbled around on their arms or something. Not sleeves or anything like that, they'd just have a tattoo or something. Some big, some small. 
an anchor or a star or some damn thing. And uh, so I was in my testosterone development period. I mean, I was 10 years old when it started. And um, boy, I'll tell you, those were hot stuff. And then in checking around and asking, the closest place that tattooing was put on was in Frisco. Now that town that I live in, Ukiah, and was raised in, has three tattoo shops. Who'd you at, at that age? Who'd you ask and inquire with about where can I see well, that? Anybody had a tattoo or something? You would just like ask that? him, "Hey, Mister, what's <laughs> exactly?" You know, I've never met a stranger in my life, so it didn't. Uh, that was easy. Uh-huh. So I found out the closest place you could get one, and I wasn't inquiring for myself to get one, but just curious. So then, when I was fourteen, and I just was enthralled with San Francisco. And I went to San Francisco a couple other times because back in those days, they didn't have airplanes or something. And my grandmother came out here um, and um, they didn't have airplanes, you know, airlines. Train was the mode of transportation. So you'd have to come to San Francisco. So what had happened is they would unload over in Oakland. They, there was railroads that come into San Francisco, but they were freight. It wasn't passengers. And um, then they'd come across on a ferry and get off at the ferry building. So, oh, God, I was all eyes, you know, looking around. So at 14, and my parents trusted me enough. I was not a runaway or, you know, juvenile delinquent or nothing. My parents trusted me enough to come down on the Greyhound bus. And when I got up, I was 14. And when I got off that Greyhound bus, I didn't let that bus station get out of my sight. I, that was a point of relative positioning the whole day I was there. Because, boy, if I lost that bus station, I'd been stuck in the big city forever. And I did know my phone number, though. It was 378W at home. But so I found out a kid... At 14, there isn't too much you could do. And uh, you could get a shoe shine, you could buy a hot dog, you could drink a Coca-Cola, you could do, you know, and then look around at the sights. But while you're seeing the sights, and that bus station is just off of Market Street, and that's the main drag, and it had arcades. It was 1946. There was sailors, marines, soldiers walking up and down the street. These arcades had shooting galleries in them. They had a shoe shine stand up front. And so I guess I'd run out of things to do, so I got a shoe shine. And I'm sitting up there getting that shoe shined, and I look in the back of this place, and there's a magic word across a small booth back there. And it was T-A-T-O-O-I-N-G. And the minute I got that, Shoes shined, straightened the guy out for it. I went speeding back there, and I looked at the door, and, and it's this little booth, and these walls were all bespeckled with designs because it was splash, they call it. And those that's designs that the tattoo artist draws, and they're sales aids. So you would pick out the design off of that. And then I... I was looking around, and then the guys reading the newspaper leaned up in there, and he looked at me, and he says, what in the hell do you want? (laughs) 
And I went, uh, buh, 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 and I was $3.50. And I pointed it out, and it was a heart with mother in it. And I paid him off, sit out in the chair, and he had that on me like bingo. But I didn't go down there to get tattooed. I went down there to to see the city, the big city. So I had no idea where, when I stepped across the thresholds of that tattoo shop, where it was taking me. <laughs> I mean, I went into a magical mystery tour, vortex that has taken me all over the world. You know, just... Could, could you imagine then what it has done and continues to do for you now? No, I had no idea. In fact, every day is a surprise yet what tattooing's done for me or is doing for me. You know, I lived in the greatest era of tattooing. Nobody, no tattoo artist in the world ever had the time and space that I've had. Wow, how cool was that? If you'd like to get involved with me on Across the Threshold, please email me, joe at sullenradio.com. I appreciate it. So this is the last episode of Sullen Radio for this year, and what a great time the last year has been. 52 weekly episodes, a couple of tattoo conventions, and a ton of inspiration. I have absolutely had a blast talking with so many great artists. I feel blessed to be able to bring you guys this talk with Nico Hurtado, who I had a really great time talking with. Thank you, Nico, for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. I look forward to many more conversations. I'm Joe Swanson. This is Sullen Radio Weekly, and this is my talk with tattooer Nico Hurtado. Enjoy. This is Sullen Radio with Joe Swanson, the premier art-driven podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another week of Sullen Radio. I'm Joe Swanson. I'd like to welcome my guest today, Nico Hurtado. How are you, man? Hey, how's it going, everyone out there? Uh, yeah, good. Everything's good. How are you? It's great, man. It's such a pleasure to talk to you, and I'm such uh, so happy that we we're able to get it in and, and do it, man. I appreciate you taking the time, and um, it seems like an exciting time for you. You have a lot of big things going on and just absolutely crushing it when it comes to work, man. This style that, you know, a handful of years ago, you and a few guys really took after. And um, how is it now, you know, traveling around the world, producing work at the highest level, being able to kind of look back on that time when you were first making moves and developing it. I mean, I'm busy, you know, so I'm fortunate. So it's not like I see the perspective from outside. I don't really know what it would look like. I just kind of see what my life is and I'm grateful for my life. You know, I have a good life, you know, uh, um, very fortunate. I have work, you know, I've been busy since the beginning of tattooing. You know, uh, I've always been consistent with work as far as like people wanting to get tattooed by me, even as like an apprentice, you know, so I was just always really busy and uh, it's always just been the same. I think the one thing uh, is I just work a lot. I like to work, you know, I'm a hard worker. Um, I enjoy it. You know, that's the one thing is like, I think uh, I definitely am not the most talented person and I don't think I'm like the smartest person, but I know that I'm a hard worker, so I think that's what comes through. And I think I'm kind of like the type of person that if uh, I'm not busy, I start to feel like today, like a Sunday, you know, yesterday I kind of had off and, um, you know, it was cool. Like I had off and I was busy all day anyways, but 
you know, today I have off and uh, even if I'm waiting around for an hour, I just feel like I'm going crazy. <laughs> right. I'm like, right. man, what do I got to do? And like my back's been messed up just from like I moved and just from working and stuff like mm -hmm. that. I have like a pinched nerve like on one side of my leg. So like my sciatic nerves mm -hmm. all messed up. So that's something I've been dealing with a lot lately. And that's been interesting and sucks, but it drives me kind of crazy. It looks it looks like you're taking that part of the job the the stress that it's putting on your body you know you're taking it serious though because i see the posts on instagram you're working out you're you're moving towards those healthy choices and um do you see that that's helping you know in those areas or is just yeah. the workload still kind of grinding it down well i mean it's 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 hard because um in the beginning like before i tattooed i used to like to exercise a lot and i was pretty healthy but uh, I did. I used to eat whatever I wanted. So when I started tattooing, it kind of took over to where I still ate the same, but stopped exercising. And so then, like, you know, after you know, 13 years, your metabolism and everything like that goes to shit. And then, uh, you know, I started feeling really tired, like super fatigued. Like, and then, like, you know, you have all these amazing tattooers coming in the industry, and I'm not that old. You know, I'm 34. So I have years of, you know, working still and uh, all these young tattoos are coming in, you know, they don't have a family, you know, all they have to do is go draw, go tattoo, they do whatever they want, you know, it's like easy. So like right now to the young tattooers, you got it easy because <laughs> life only gets harder as you get a family, have kids, you know, you want to, you know, grow your business. So you want to sure. do more things and with all these things come more stress and more responsibility. And so if you're unhealthy and like tired, things aren't going to go well, you know? And so, um, it's funny cause I got a trainer and my trainer asked me the first day exactly like what, what is it that I wanted to accomplish? You know, what did I want to look like? You know, what was my weight goal and things like that? And I said, these have nothing to do with why I'm at the gym. You know, I go, I'm at the gym for my brain, you know, because my brain isn't as sharp as it was. And I feel like I'm struggling to keep like, a healthy like work ethic and like everything else being balanced. And so I said, I'm here to like accomplish more and push myself further. So, I mean, it's not really a weight loss thing. I mean, that's the, that's the good side effect. Side, yeah. Side effect of it. But, and, and I'm happy with that, but it's a, uh, it's more of just an accomplishment and trying to reach the goals and dreams I have still mm -hmm. and uh, being productive. And I actually feel younger and better than I did, you know, five, six years ago already and only a year and a half of, you know, exercising. So I make it a priority. The only thing with that is that like, you know, you do other things once you start exercising, you start like messing around, like riding a bike or like doing other things. And then other injuries come up and you're like messing up your wrist or like, like I fell in on my wrist and had like a lump in it for a few weeks. And the, my back is kind of like from me moving heavy stuff and thinking, Oh, I could do this. I'm all right. And like, compressing like fucking my back up so right. you think like yeah your body just takes a beating man you have to i think you have to find you know that thing that works for you you know whether it's moving heavier weight around or whether it's swimming you know like ryan over at sullen he had that back issue that laid him up in bed and he utilized fortunately he had the opportunity to utilize swimming yeah. to, to rehab it and i think you have to you yeah. can't push through some of these injuries and you're right you know you pick up these different sports or these different um things i've done 
I've fucked up, gotten bone bruises, you know, doing box jumps and shit on my hand because I swung my hand to, you know, yeah. right into the 30 inch box, you know, and it sucks. And so you got to you got to think like um, it has to be right for you. It has to be the right fit for what your body's doing. And I think with time, if you just stay active, whether yeah. you jump on a bike or whether you go jump on a treadmill or whether you do CrossFit, yeah. you'll find something that works for you like i'm kind of transitioning now out of some of those crossfit movements that i've been doing for the last three four years and into like more kettlebells i just want yeah. something that is um sparking something new in in, yeah, in my workout you know yeah yeah it's hard man it's a hard grind you know that, that whole thing you know but i have it's hard because it takes away from from time to like paint or like do other things in art but then it also is hopefully will in the long run add years to my career. You know what I'm saying? And so I think it can, I think it can enhance those things too. You know, even because you have to get that, you know, you get that release and then you can, you can go, all right, well, my brain feels refreshed. You know, it's, it's been re kind of oxygenated and, yeah. and I need to, now I can dive into this painting or I can dive into this, yeah. you know, tattoo or whatever you you may be doing create creatively and um so i think that 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 physical activity is something that is is great and it's almost a requirement you know it is for me personally no it is it is it helps me be clearer make better choices you know so i mean you have to in like a i mean it is a competitive world you know so mm -hmm. you have to be able to just keep up with everyone you right know? with the way the industry is growing and moving so fast, I mean, anything helps, you know? Yeah. And you're going to have to keep up with that little, uh, dog you got. Oh yeah. And my kids, man. I mean, <laughs> my little dog's cool. You know, it's not really that hyper. I mean, oh, that's my, cool. my son's getting bigger and you know, my daughters are getting bigger and they require more attention, you know? And, uh, I don't want to be the lethargic dad that can't get out of the couch. You know, I want to be able to walk outside, go outside, play with them, do whatever they want, you know? Uh -huh. So, I don't want to be that broken down father. <laughs> right. What's uh, what ages are they? Uh, my daughter's going to be three. She's two. Like in, she's basically three in a month. She'll be three. Um, my eldest daughter is eight, but she'll be nine uh, here in a couple in like a week. And then um, my son, he's he's going to be how old are you, Nick? Five. He's going to be six. But he's five. <laughs> yeah, man. That's awesome. Yeah. Totally uh, fun age is active, man. Active, huh? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's fun though. It's good, you know. They're getting big, so it's exciting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. Um, what uh, what kind of stuff are you into right now, man? With your painting, you know, is it? Uh, and talk a little bit about that development too, because you know, like I mentioned, um, I spoke with James Kern on the podcast, and and I had been thinking since I spoke with Megan Jean Morris about, um, you know, she had made a, a comment that. Uh, everybody had watched everybody's DVDs and this was in a video that was online on YouTube. And so this kind of the cat was out of the bag with color realism. And, um, so it got me thinking about your DVD and what, what is still the same, you know, application wise and theory wise. And then, you know, I was talking with James and he, I asked him, do you think it's his painting that has kind of developed, um, you know, this next level to his work. And he thought that was, and I'd love to get your take on it and, and where you think your painting has developed and, and how it impacts your tattooing. I mean, I think when I, when I started tattooing, 
I wasn't very like developed artist, you know, I was very new at, you know, art and things like that. So um, I had done art, but I wasn't like some like, I wasn't working in art, I was working construction. So the one thing I always kept too is I always liked portraits, you know, I always liked realism. So, I mean, my art teacher used to always say, do what you see. So in the beginning, it was just do what you see, you know, so you're copying everything. You're just copying, copying, copying. And I know a lot of people think that's like what my work is. And it is, you know, like I'm copying. But as you go through, you know, times and you copy um, painting, I started painting and I had an opportunity to paint with a. Uh, Sean Barber, you know, and Sean Barber really like inspired me to start painting more because he took the time to actually show me a little bit about it. Like, it's funny because I had this was MySpace days. Like, <laughs> Sean was like, I had written him and I was like, dude, I really want to start painting, you know? And he was like, well, fly up to San Francisco and I'll teach you, I'll show you. And so that's what I did. I went up to San Francisco, hung out with him for a night. I was super sick, man. Like, I try to like hang out as much as I could and he, he showed me as much as he could, and I have the painting still in my station. He, like, took a photo of me and did this, like, little quick Ala Prima, like, painting, and um, it was awesome. But um, from that point, I started to learn how to paint, and I've probably been, I've been painting a lot a long time now. It's probably been, like, seven years, mm -hmm. but um, I definitely don't feel like I put seven years in because I don't paint often, you know? Um, but after that, I met, like, Kevin Llewellyn and Michael Husser, and I started meeting all these painters you know, Jeff Gogway also inspired me. And so uh, it just kind of like relearning that stuff. And, and then what I learned a lot from, from Michael Husser was, you know, we started doing these Ala Prima studies from life. And I never, I, I mean, in high school, I had drawn from life a few times. I'd taken these high school art classes in Pasadena Art Center to do like figure drawing. But um, I never painted from life. And so it was super difficult. And I still struggle with it. It's difficult. But um, to me, I feel like that was one of the key things in my whole uh, career because from painting from life, you have to there, – there's no stencil and, and it's straight drawing. Like you're just drawing with the brush, you know, and you're picking, you know, it's your drawing, your shapes, your values, your color. It's all on the fly, you know. And so if you have like five or six artists that are all amazing artists, right? And you stick them in a room and they all paint. Instantly, when that five hours is over or four hours of over is over of doing that life painting, it'll really separate who's really like knowledgeable and who isn't. You know, and, and I love that part about it because it was super like humbling. You know, because like you go from doing portraits and people are flying around the world to do portraits from you, and then you go and do something like life painting, and you're horrible at it. You suck. So like you want to get better at it. And so to me, like, I really think that's like the um, foundation. Like if somebody really wants to become a better portrait tattooer or a portrait color tattooer, I mean, they really have to study from life, whether that's color pencil or, you know, pencil drawing. But I, I really think the ultimate is any like any kind of painting because it's it's you know, you have to choose your values, your shapes, your color. And you have to draw it straight on. So you're constantly reworking these ideas and then you can apply them to your work, you know. And so I think that like being able to like walk up to a model, whether it's a you know male or female, and like look at the size of their nose, look at the distance between their eyes, really look around them, you know, and study that there's a back of the head. And, you know, there's so much more to it than just a photo. So then when you come back to a photo, 
Because you got to think like when, when you take a photo, it's a filter in a camera and then you plug it into a computer and there's another filter and then you, you know, print it out and then the printer filters it. So you're getting like, you know, everybody knows a copy, a copy, a copy. So you're just getting the filtered version of that. So the computer, the camera and the printer are making decisions for you. But when you paint from life, you're making the decisions. And I think that that's super difficult. And I think that that's where people like old masters that were like painters and whatever, even, even people that are master digital artists, they're going to study from life because you're, it's unfiltered. It's straight into you. It's the most honest information and reference you're going to get. So it's figuring out how to grab what you're supposed to grab, grab what's important and necessary and use that. And so then when you go back to something like tattooing, you can apply it and think about that. So I think that's what changed my work a lot. I also think from painting from three months, I had taken three months off of tattooing. And, you know, I kind of feel like I'm longing for that right now. But um, I had taken three months off. And when I came back to tattooing, I realized that my color palette changed because I wanted to put out colors more similar to my painting. And so I just did a workshop with Husser. And it was because... I learned a lot from Huster's palette from painting, and that's the palette I used for painting. And then I added a couple of other colors that I use, and um, now I apply it to tattooing. So that whole theory of like life painting is applied fully through my color tattoos. And I kind of wanted to do that in order to have like uh, a way to teach it. So a way to break it down and have reasoning to it. So now, like, my whole palette is, has, is reason-based. It isn't like, oh, it's based off the color wheel, or it's like, oh, hey, it's just uh, values, or these are just the colors I see in the photo. No, it's like these colors will make up anything in, like, the natural world. And so you don't have to put any color, color out. It's like this is all you need. I mean, of course, if you need, like, the brightest yellow, which doesn't exist in the world, you know, right. unless it's, like, a light. But like, still, you can make the bright yellow out of my colors that I have set out, but you don't have like a cadmium bright yellow, you know, it's just, you have to know how to mix it, you have to know how to use it. And then it's exactly like a painter's palette, you know, so I really think that that's like, the future for me, you know, and figuring out how to improve that too, that like, that isn't perfect. It's a work in progress. But uh, yeah, this seminar went really well with Husser because um I was at Husser didn't even know how I was going to connect it. He's I really didn't know how you were going to connect it, but I showed him, you know, like I had Husser's palette out and then I had my palette out and I showed everybody on a board, look at all these colors Husser makes I can make right now. So I made them, but with tattoo pigment. So I made them with tattoo pigment, showed them instantly within a couple of minutes, all these colors and how you can shift them like hair shifts, you know, like, you can shift this color from here to here. And if you take it too far, you can shift it back. Like just really controlling your palette almost like it's almost like your palette is living and like you're molding all these colors and making it work. So really, really is something that I'm developing, but it, it's really good. It's that's the biggest difference is like I went from just copying and doing what you see. And then you ask questions over time and, um, then you start to understand what you're doing and then you start failing because you're going through all these different theories and then finally it hits and you're like, oh, now I get it. And uh, it really changes your mind, you know? So it's funny too because um, the other day I was painting for Malaprima and I had an epiphany of something that I won't speak about yet, <laughs> but um, it really like grabbed me and like I realized 
a major secret thing that I never realized about life painting. And um, I have to study it more, but I really do think it's detrimental to the whole process of it. And uh, yeah, I'm excited to like practice that more. Yeah. yeah. It's how, first question I'm going to ask, uh, just right out the gate, which comes to me is how far away do you think we are from tattooing from life? Do you think that's a possibility? Yeah. And people like Jeff Gogway have done skulls and things like that from life. I think, I think it's, you know, I think the drawing on stuff's amazing. I think that, um, you know, tattooing from life's amazing. I don't think it's necessary mm -hmm. because it's such a permanent thing. And I think it'd be awesome to have somebody do that. I mean, I've talked to people about that stuff, but, uh, I think it's like whatever your process is. So like, if you feel the most comfortable drawing on the skin and that's mm -hmm. what gets you, then that's what's necessary. You know, if you feel it's comfortable, like it's good to step outside the box and take chances and grow, but it's also good to know what works the best mm -hmm. and what's going to give you the best end result, especially cause it's a tattoo. So yeah. I think that like, um, yeah, it's all up to the person for me. I don't really feel like there's much, um, need for that unless you're looking for a real stylized look, because I think that's what you'll end up getting mm -hmm. you know if you drew it on from life because you're basically making a character you know mm -hmm. opposed to like a photographic replication of a person so right i think that's where it become different you know because that that's the hardest part about painting is you're having to grab your interpretation of the person because it's not a photo yeah. you know so it's all interpretation it's kind of trippy mm -hmm. yeah you've been traveling uh, a lot you got uh you did london this year and and what are some of the other spots you got to man and and What's the funnest thing for you about traveling? Jack Rudy says it's coming home. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, coming home, you know. Uh, I mean, I travel a lot, man. I've had a lot of crazy uh, experiences. I've been a lot of places this year. I mean, I could name them all, you know, but it's like, you know, Australia and, uh, you know, Canada, all of, you know, different places in Europe and mm -hmm. Scandinavia. About to go to Mexico here with uh, for Alan Sabiva Latinta mm -hmm. Convention. And, um, yeah, I mean – it's a lot, man. I, I'm ready to be home more. You know, I've been saying no to a lot of stuff. To be honest, if I could just stay home now and not have to go anywhere the rest of the year, I'd be completely happy with that. Mm -hmm. I uh, I really don't feel like going anywhere. You know, I just uh, just want to be home, you know. Mm -hmm. and, and I was like on a really good path of being healthy. And then um, traveling just knocks you off of that. So like that's kind of like made me a little disappointed, you know, where I can't keep on like this exercise routine and then the work routine and like balance my family work exercise and painting. So yeah. it's like, harder to balance that when you throw something like, you know, traveling anywhere in the mix, you know, and doing it often is, is even more difficult. So it's, it's hard. I don't really know if that makes me happy. And I have a lot of clients that have me travel to them and that's really difficult. And, you know, I'm grateful but uh, it's definitely a juggle, a, you know, I'm juggling. So. Yeah, it's a balancing act, you know, and especially when you're, you know, you're, you're, like you said, traveling to certain clients I and mean, you had an opportunity to go and, and tattoo Diddy while he was making his uh, just released mixtape. Yeah. Uh, you know, you talked about that a little bit on Instagram, just that experience of being able to be around that environment while he was creating and see his creative process. Talk a little bit about that, man. Yeah, you know, um, in the beginning, it, it, one thing about, you know, Sean, you know, Mr. Combs is um, it, it's interesting because, for one, I never thought I would even 
meet people like him because I remember growing up and being into like Tupac and Biggie and I grew up listening to a lot of hip hop. You know, I grew up in like the gangster rap era when it was like right outside of NWA. So like the Chronic and Snoop Dogg and, you know, all these things and, you know, all this East Coast, West Coast thing. And um, so it's kind of surreal meeting people like that sometimes. Um, for In the beginning, it was pretty difficult because, you know, I didn't know what to expect. I've dealt with a lot of celebrity. I've dealt with a lot of people. Um, you know, and Diddy is definitely, or Mr. Combs, you know, he's definitely uh, more extreme than the most. Like, he has a lot more going on. Super busy, man. Um, so it was kind of difficult for me in the beginning to, to, to understand how to deal with that because I'm used to, I think, I think what happened is my own ego too. Like, I'm used to people doing what I ask them to do. So it's hard for me to like be waiting for anybody, <laughs> you know? And so I think it's just years of karma, like coming out and like, you know, me having to, you know, wait. But then I started thinking, you know, about being, I put things in perspective and, uh, you know, it, I have to be honest and say, you know, that tattooing Diddy has probably been one of the greatest experiences I've had in tattooing. And it's not because of his celebrity and it's, it's, it's because of the type of person he is, you know, and, uh, you know, I really do think he's a great person. You know, I think he has a lot of heart and he, he lives with a lot of like energy. And I think he's really in tune with, um, everybody around him. And I think that's why these people are around him. Like every time I'm around him, I meet people that are extraordinary and I'm not talking like they're famous, but they're extraordinary at what they do. Like his chef is, is an extraordinary chef, you know, but there's reasons why he picks these people. And it's not only because they're good at what they do. I mean, they have an extraordinary, extraordinary amount of energy that come off them, you know, and, and I really think it's been a really interesting and, and, and um, crazy experience that I truly am grateful for. And we're almost finished with the back piece. And man, I got to say, I'm really thankful for the experience, man. It's been, uh, I've learned a lot from the guy just watching him. You know what I mean? Um, I think that like watching somebody work so much, like, you know, you think like, cause that dude's acquired a lot in his life. And, um, you think, you know, it's easy. You see people drive or have a lot and you never think like what someone has done or sacrificed to get it. Mm -hmm. Everybody just hates on people, you know? It's crazy, man, because I truly believe, and what I've seen from my own eyes and experience, is that um, he really has earned everything he uh, he has, you know, and uh, that's good, man. I have a tremendous amount of respect for him, and uh, you know, uh, it's been it's been a roller coaster with the way it's went through, like as far as like for myself, you know, because I think I'm just an emotional human being, but um, and we all are, you know, sure, and uh, but I think like recently. I really like have sat back and looked from the outside and thought, man, dude, this is like really incredible, you know, and, and, and taking things for granted, man, like, you know, just time and, and, and situations and not really being grateful for, even if I'm waiting around being grateful for, you know, just being in that situation and experiencing things and seeing things, you know, even like I'm not living in the moment. I'm just worrying about like my own time. You know what I mean? And, and 
once I let all that go, I noticed that it's been amazing. And uh, I really can't wait to get back on it and finish it. And I think that, uh, you know, I, I really truly want to make him happy and love his tattoo. And um, I really think that great things for me and him will, will come out of it. You know, I, I have this strong feeling of uh, really, uh, I, I know the dude respects me and I respect the shit out of him. And I, I think there's more there than just the tattoos. And I think that uh, things will be really great. You know, I'm really uh, excited, man, because it's crazy. It has to be exciting to essentially collaborate on a piece of art with somebody that's that much of a creative. You know, then and that he he's done so many different things and had this time collaborating with so many people. Did yeah. you approach your process differently when you went into creating his uh, artwork? Well, no, he he want, he pretty much knew what he wanted off the bat. I showed him. I, I created a back piece for him. I had met him about I, I would say over two years ago, maybe three years ago, two and a half years ago. You know, and the first time I ever spoke to him on the phone, he had called me, and I was in Australia. And uh, this has to be over two years ago. And, um, he, you know, he had told me that he didn't care how long it took to get finished or get started, that it was going to happen. He just, you know, when the time was right, the time was right. And um, I met him. I was tattooing the game one day. And uh, I think I was in L.A. And then I hit him up and I said, hey, I'm tattooing the game. If you want me to come by to, to you know, get the idea together, um, I will or whatever. And he's like, yeah, yeah, for sure. So I went by, took the pictures. But um, I think at that moment, I think for both of us, it wasn't the right time to start the tattoo. And so it took about a year, year and a half from that moment to start it. And uh, from then, I've been tattooing him, you know. And uh, it's, been, it's been crazy. I, I designed him something, and then he wasn't into it. So he showed me pretty much what he wanted. And so I've done a rendition of that. And uh, we're close, and I'll show, show everybody when I'm done. I'm pretty proud of it, you know. Uh, the, uh, the last session I did really made the feeling of it different and made it change. And so I know the next sitting will really bring it together. And, uh, man, I'm excited to like, you know, and I'm proud, you know what I mean? To be able to, to do something like that. For something an, like that. Yeah, absolutely. As an artist, what did you see in that last session that changed? You know, what, what was it that just made the piece come more to life? You know, I think that, uh, there's a lot of different things, man. You know, it's weird. You can call me whatever, but I really like have been on this thing of uh, sometimes just the amount of energy, you know, or like the feeling you get or the feeling you, you give, you know, is really what you get back, you know, and we all live by that, you know, what you put out, you get back, you know, but I really believe that you truly have to wholeheartedly put out what you believe. And then, you know, I think that it, comes back and return in a really strong way and you know the last time I worked on him I I I could feel a large amount of of just love and compassion towards the tattoo and towards the situation and I could just tell like my heart was in it his heart was in it people around them like it was just a different situation man and, and I really think for that everything went really smooth we got a lot accomplished in two days we both worked really hard like man i finished tattooing this guy i was in the studio i tattooed him in the studio and he was he was gonna release this mixtape and so dude all the songs on the mixtape mixtape i would say except for maybe two or three songs i hadn't heard you know but i had heard all these songs maybe a hundred times you know and not like he's showing them to me but like 
he's playing them loud, dude, in the studio. And I mean, you could feel him like the bass hitting your chest and like, you could, you know, I mean, I don't think I'll ever experience that music the same way. Like I bought the, I got the albums, you know, the album and I've listened to it and it's awesome. It'll always remind me of that situation and that time. It's pretty cool. And I feel like I like it. I think the album is really great. Like I'm, I'm not even joking. Like I've listened to it many times since. And, uh, I don't know, man, but to be there and just have it to the volume, they're listening to it and the way they feel it and what they're putting into it and what they're changing really was a crazy experience, man. And, and I think that, uh, I, I really, the last sitting, I got to really, really appreciate that moment at that time and indulge in the, the, the whole feeling of everything, you know, mm -hmm. it was, it was crazy. And, and it's crazy too, because a couple of the songs that he has, um, that are out, he changed things in them that were huge that I noticed, you know, I was like, wow, he really changed that chorus or he put a different person in singing. Like it was kind of trippy, you know, <laughs> so it kind of blew me away because I was expecting to hear it. And then it, when it started the chorus, I was like, oh man, this is like, he picked something completely different on the fly because it was less than a week later that he released it, you know, so it's pretty cool, man. Uh, uh, definitely. Uh, thanks, Diddy. <laughs> it's pretty cool. So before we get back to my conversation with Nico, I wanted to bring you guys a quick talk I had with my good friend Paul Urich. Paul has a new skateboard company called Paisley Skateboards in San Francisco. They're doing some really fun stuff blending skateboarding and fine art. They've dropped two boards with silkscreen graphics. One deck was designed by another innovator and world-class tattooer, Grime. So enjoy my talk with IDS member Paul Urich and check out Paisley Skateboards on Instagram at Paisley Skates. What's happening, Paul? How are you, man? I'll be good, son. <laughs> right on, man. I'm just uh, kicking it here with my friend Paul Yurick, who uh, I am stoked to chat with. This is uh, in the middle of the Nico Hurtado episode, which is crazy, man. Sullen Radio has been going for a little over a year, and um, we're ending with a with a with a huge huge guest, which is cool to be able to sit back with somebody that came from my roots at the beginning of this podcasting thing and get to talk about some cool stuff that you have going on right now with Paisley skateboards, man. Like how did, how did this blending of, cause to me it looks like you've been able to blend the skateboarding, the fine art and the tattooing kind of all in one package, which seems to fit, fit your, your pace real good, man. Well, I think we're just, it's just our lifestyle. It's our culture and we're just, you know, this is what we do, and so nature takes over. Yeah, you've been skating for for years, man. I'm at 31 years. <laughs> I'd love to say it and hate to say it all at the same time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, I know that when you first started this little venture, t first talk about how it started and kind of um, the roots of what what you see Paisley Skateboard as. Well, I mean, it just happened. Uh, it's it's. For, three friends that did something fun together. Myself, um, Sean Cliver, and a fellow whose name we won't say, we just call him the uh, Central Scrutinizer. And uh, we just have a good time and do put together teamwork style, all our loves and passions into a company. And, you know, it's, it's skateboards right now. And we actually, we got some other stuff going on with, uh, with some poetry books coming out. And, uh, you know, we just, we got no rules. We just do what's fun. Yeah. I mean that it, it sounds like the sky's the limit and, and it 
it's all right up the alley of um, artistic creativity and and what you're putting out all the time. I mean, that was something that even after you, uh, you know, we were tattooing in San Francisco, and after that, you you continued to push kind of that fine art thing into your tattooing, and um, now just blending it with the skateboard thing is just it's amazing, man. I mean, it's really well, thanks, man. It's, it's fun to see. Really fun. It's really gratifying, and uh, it's just little kid dreams come true. I didn't even know it was it was my dream, and now now I do. You know, yeah. Yes. You got uh you're right there in San Francisco, four eighty three fourteenth Street, Nowheresville. Yeah, we're down in Mission, man. Yeah. Good times. Yeah. Couldn't be happier. <laughs> Greasy taco and a and a skateboard, man. That's what uh that's what it's about these days. Indeed, man. That's cool, man. I, I love the you've done two decks now. Um you Sean Cliver put out a, the the first deck. Talk about those two decks. And the second one was um by you know, this episode is is with arguably one of the most famous tattooers, um, you know, today. And, and sure. uh, your second deck was with arguably one of the most famous tattooers today as well, the Grime. And um, yeah, there's not too many dudes that get to put the in front of their name. And it's not weird. You know, he's right. one of those people. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, Talk about how that came about and, and, you know, first the Cliver deck and that dropped and, and it was successful and, and then the process to getting Grime to do that deck. And you guys di are doing it different, man. You're doing it old school. It's uh, talk about the process that you're using. Even well, just we're with... silkscreened. Yeah. So it's it's actual paint on the board. Um, most boards these days are heat transfers, which is a fancy word for a sticker. So you can you can do anything. You take a photograph, you it's it can be anything you want it to be to do a silkscreen skateboard you have to have the intent from day one and draw it that way it's the same as doing a tattoo there's certain things that work and certain things that don't and you have to, it's the same deal man and um sean cliver is i mean he's argue, arguably one of the best skateboard artists to ever walk the planet like he's he's that dude and uh so we did a, a silkscreen board with 12 colors with him, and it came out amazing. And the, the guys at Sleeping Skull just crushed it. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it gives me goosebumps to even think about it. And then um, to work with him was, is a pleasure. And then Grime is just – he's my buddy, man. And uh, he's a skateboard nerd just like me. I mean, he has a giant collection. He, I mean, he can still ollie, ollie to this day, <laughs> you know. And uh, – you know, we ride bicycles together a bunch and it just naturally came up in conversation and it just naturally happened with him. Uh -huh. And, uh, you know, to see his process and how he attacked it, it, you know, I got no words for it. You know, it's watching the best do what they do. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it, it's a definite throwback that that design is a definite throwback and a, and a, a paid respect to that old school vibe, you know, of, oh, uh, of skateboarding. I mean, you know, and it nods to several different things, and it's, I mean, I couldn't be happier with it, mm -hmm. and, you know, the response from everybody else that likes skateboards and art, like, I don't, all around, man, it's hard to even put words on it, it was, it's a beautiful thing. Do you find that you've, I mean, that, that space down there in the mission for you has kind of gone through, um, it's been cool to see it go through a, a series of phases and, and different um, ideas of what it was going to be and what it was. And right. do you feel like you kind of, with the blending of these three passions kind of hit your stride with where you want to be uh, in that space? 
Yeah, I think I think we're where we want to be. It it feels good because you know we've we've done a lot of art shows there. We've done tattooing there. We still do that, you know, speakeasy style. The, you know, the front now is Paisley Skateboards, and with Paisley, we will do not only is it our office and our headquarters, but we also do we do art shows out of there still. But now it's like more of a it's it revolves around skateboarding and and Paisley, and uh, we're still a pathway for the creative the creativity in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think we found our niche. You know, man, it's cool because that that space even in and of itself has always been kind of it's had creativity going through it for a lot for of sure. years and, and a lot of history um, with people that have gone on to do great things in the city. Um, it's, it's almost like a little uh, Mecca down there in, in the, in the mission of, of art and 483 and, has no choice, but to be a, a creative space. It was an art gallery back in the day, like, um, God, I can't remember his name. He's in New York now, but they did some amazing gay-themed art shows. Yoko Ono played in there. It was crazy. And then it was a um, black and blue tattoo, which is a lesbian-owned tattoo shop. Amazing. And now they're still just a block up the street. Um, Then you had Needles and Pins, who, as far as I'm concerned, during that mission movement, um, they were one of the ones. Like, they... They grew a lot of great artists and like provided a space. And you had Low Gallery and Fecal Face, and it's just that spot has no mm-hmm. choice but to be what it is. Yeah, that's cool. Who was the last? Um, you guys had a show up that was, uh, it was you and another guy, uh, Sayings. He he wrote Sayings on the uh, on, oh Griffin McPartland. Oh man, that was such a cool. I mean, to see that exhibit in the space itself was so cool. I mean, I was captivated. Walk you know, around the room to each different piece. And, um, and then I, th- I had read the kind of the synopsis of the, of the, of the, um, show prior to kind of looking at it. And it was interesting to see, um, him be so honest about his kind of trepidation with what he was doing. Right. Was it fine art? Was it art? What was it? And just to let it at, at the point where it seemed like, he was able to just let it flow. It happened for him. And man, some of those are super powerful pieces. You oh, yeah, know? Pretty amazing, man. The yeah. guys laid it all out on the line. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's it, what's it been like to, to collaborate with, with those kind of folks and, and kind of feel like, I feel like you've kind of had that resurgence into that fine art creativity and you're, you've even blended you know, that, that, uh, into the, I mean, you've taken that history of tattooing, you've kind of blended it still in there, but it's really gotten farther away from that even. Yeah. Agreed. I don't, I don't know. It just feels, um, I guess the best way to put it is I just always feel floored that I fortunate enough to work with such creative people and like, um, prolific people constantly. Mm. I don't know how it happens. It just happens. And you know, I just, I'm not going to say no to it. I'm going to go with it every time, you know? Yeah. What's, what's the, uh, what's the daily spot for you right now? Are you skating anywhere that's, uh, uh, or the weekly spot that you like to hit? <laughs> I got a real sick slappy curb down the street from my house at, <laughs> at 41 years old. It's better to, to fly low. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Skate to the, skate to the pizza place. Yeah. And, uh, shout out to Dave Ashen. What's up, man? How you <laughs> yeah, doing? No doubt. <laughs> That's cool, man. What's well, it's great to, uh, it's great to talk with you, Paul. I I'm excited about this project, you know, Paisley skateboards. It seems like it's got such a great vibe to it. Um, you know, you can still 
send your $2 in a self-addressed stamped envelope to 483 14th Street and get yourself yeah. some swag. And uh, what's next up for Paisley Skate and, and, um, and you? Well, we have boards coming out with uh, Dave Carney from Jackass. Um, we got two Jackass slash Big Brother boards coming out with uh, with those dudes. We have another Cliver board. We have a Todd Bowtroud board. Um, I think we're gonna have another Grind board in the in the works. Um, and I could just Aaron Gorky, Cleon Peterson. Um, and then some other guys where I don't even want to say their names yet, but I'm telling you it's a dream team and it's all lined up for the next eight months. Um, nice. So just, yeah, check Same. us out at paisleyskates.com and paisleyskates on Instagram. Very cool, man. It's all going to be the same silk screen boards. Um, yep. The, the whole nine, the prints. You do limited edition prints as well with everything? We do. Uh-huh. We awesome, always got man. something brewing. I, I, you know, we might have some weird purple line jackets coming out soon <laughs> right on man paul it's it's amazing talking to you brother i appreciate you taking the time and uh sitting down with me um good luck with uh with everything and uh Ooh. shaka bra yeah man thanks for having me no problem high five later brother high five Man, I love that guy. Please show some love to Paul and give Paisley Skates a follow on Instagram. Find them at Paisley Skates. Thanks so much, everybody. Now enjoy, without interruption, the rest of my talk with Nico. As tattooers, I think we have those moments where we connect with our clients and there's certain times in a good or a bad way. You know, I've talked about it here on the podcast before where you've made I've made people laugh. I've made people cry, you know, emotional tears, happy tears, you know, and you feel those vibes coming off there. And, and to be a part of that experience, that was so impactful to you and, and almost snapped you back into the into the moment and appreciating that moment is awesome. And, you know. Do you remember a time, was it always like that from the beginning that you were aware of what you were doing with tattooing, of how important it was, this permanency of it? and Or is it, is it been a moment that that kind of changed and, and became something you were more aware of? Well, there's two different answers for that because one answer is when I started tattooing and everything like, it was always, you know, important because it was permanent, you know, and, and I've always had a real good sense of my clients. It's like I've always become real close with them. The other part of that is like if you're asking about the 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 part where me and my clients um, get closer, like not like that, like how how would they affect each other uh, and how things affect each other. I think ever since I was a child, man, I, I've had that part of me where. Um, I just always was aware of like my feeling and like others and energy and all these things, you know? So, um, I always go full circle with it, you know, but like, mm -hmm. I noticed that, uh, it's a powerful thing, you know? And I think that like those things will really like, you know, if you come into something, I don't care what it is, whether it's tattooing, painting, um, a job interview, whatever. If you go into these things with a positive attitude and with a good intention and, you know, your heart on your sleeve and a whole, whole hearted thing, I think things turn out really well, you know, and, and I truly believe that. But I think that, um, you know, it's all up to what you feel and what you're going to put out there. I think, I think that like, truly, man, I think that every day, 
the sense that we're less aware of is the sense of people's energies or feelings. You know, I think that like we can sense everybody, you know, I think that you can sense when someone's kind of lying to you or you can sense when someone's not being really honest, you know, you can just sense it. Maybe they're not lying to you fully, but there's something there, you know, and you just don't feel right. Maybe that's when you meet someone and you're like, oh, that person just makes me feel weird. You know, I think those are intuitions and, and things that you need to go with, you know, and I think that those things are really important. And I notice as I go on with my career that that part of me and my life is just as important as the decisions I make in reality. You know what I mean? Because, uh, they make me feel like I'm doing the right things, you know, when I have the right people around me and I've made the right choices. And when things are going on the right path, I notice that, uh, you know, it's like, yeah, I, I, I'm glad I did that, you know, because these were the choices that were meant to be made. You know what I mean? This is the path I'm meant to go yeah. you know, instead of regretting. You know, your brother Matt's a great painter as well. Did you guys grow up in an artistic family? I mean... My mom, one thing with my mom is my mom is really like, she's not like an artist, but I would say that my mom has great taste. Mm -hmm. You know, my mom's always had great taste. She's likes nice things. She's always uh, been really good with like interior decorating and designing. Like she, sure. you know, in different styles. Like I think I, I like a lot of like Baroque and like Victorian style look stuff. But when I was younger, my mom loved that old antique Baroque stuff and I kind of feel like that's the part of her that I get. Like, I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember her having a chair like this when I was younger. You know, maybe a different color or a different pattern of material, but the chair the exact same type, you know. Mm -hmm. And my dad, my dad, I would say I'd have to say my dad really is an artist, you know, even though he don't see it, maybe. Uh, my dad's super intelligent as far as, like, with his hands. He's able to – my dad owns a machine shop, and so – he was always a type of guy that like, just say somebody bought a wrought iron bed, you know what I mean? Like those badass wrought iron beds, he would make it, you know what I mean? And like, you know, if someone, you know, he's built like bicycles, he's built like, if they have things refurbished, built cars from the ground up, like he's an artist in his own way because he'll make, he'll make anything from scratch mm -hmm. because he's able to re -engine, reverse engineer things and know how to make it, you know, work. So, um, it's funny, man. I'll tell you a funny story real quick, just because it's kind of off the subject, but on the subject. But this is how I live. I went to go visit my dad in the San Fernando Valley. He owns a shop, and there was an older Jewish guy there. And this guy, this older Jewish guy, owned a candy shop, you know, and he owned these candy machines that make hard candies. And these hard candies are made by machines that are like over 100, 150 years old. And so when a part breaks on them, you know, you can't buy it because the machines are they're done. They're obsolete. But this guy still uses them because of the type of way and candy it makes that it just doesn't happen anymore. Mm -hmm. So when a part breaks, he takes it to my dad and my dad makes the part from scratch for him so that way he can, you know, keep his machines going. And so it's funny. I'm talking to this guy and he's telling me what they teach, you know, in the Jewish – what's the, what's the Jewish uh, – it's like the Jewish book. It's um, – is it the oh, – amen. Hey, Joanne, what's the Jewish book? You know what it is? It's I like, don't. Oh, man, it's going to bother me now. The Torah? I think it's the Torah. Maybe. I'm not sure. Yeah, so <laughs> They have this story about this guy that makes – this is what he tells me. I don't know how true it is. He's like, you know, he's like um, – they have this story about a guy that makes shoes for people. You know, and he makes shoes for everyone, and 
he wants to make good shoes for everybody because he, he wants everyone to walk in comfortable shoes. He's not like the nicest guy. He's not like the, you know, most giving person, but he loves making shoes and he wants to make good shoes. And he's like, that's why God let this guy into heaven is because he wanted to make good shoes for people, you know? And so he looks at me and he goes, oh, your dad makes good shoes, you know? And then my dad looks at me and he's all, my son makes good shoes. And we start laughing, you know? And it's just, I always think about it because uh, really that's what life's about. It's not about money and it's not about getting over on people. It's about making good shoes, you know? And so like Stolen, you know, they want to make good clothing for people to wear and they just want to make good product, you know? And it's the same for me, like with tattooing, like money is a side thing. Like we were talking about exercise in my brain, you know, it's, it's a plus, but in the end, I really just want to make a good pair of shoes. I want to make a good tattoo for those people to wear, be proud to wear it and love it, you know? So that's, what's important to me, you know? Yeah. It's exciting to hear that, man. I mean, you know, it's, I'm sure that, uh, like you talk about these experiences that you've had over the last, you know, decade or, or, or more, um, flying around the world and, and being able to have these experiences, develop these artistic pieces on these people. And, um, it's gotta be exciting, man. It's, it's gotta be fun to look back on it. It's also gotta be fun to be right there in the moment and see the fruits of that labor, you know, um, you know, what, are, what are the, your kids are, your kids are at that time where, man, they're probably out and about They're in, in some in school. Like what kind of, what kind of stuff are you doing around town these days? Um, my place, I mean, I pretty much just work like I'm home today, you know, hopefully we'll go buy a, I, I just bought a new house, you know, so we moved into a new place and my kids have their room and stuff. They really like being home and, um, I don't know. I mean, I just live an average life, man. I'm an average yeah. guy with an average life, you know, and, uh, like as far as like my home life, you know, I don't go crazy and buy crazy stuff. You know, uh, I think about my kids all the time and what, you know, what's important. And, uh, you know, I just try to do the best I can for them. And, you know, one thing I got to say is Joanne, you know, like I've been with Joanne for almost for over like almost 20 years, you know, and, uh, I don't think a lot of people know, but like, she's just as important as anything else. You know what I mean? Like, if not more, you know, she's held, she's like the glue that's held all the foundation together. You know, without her, I'd probably be a lot more lost than, uh, than anything because, you know, in this life with all this crazy stuff, it's, it's crazy to like, it's easy to get lost, you know? Mm -hmm. And, uh, it's good. Like it's giving me foundation and yeah, man, she's really kept me grounded, you know, with my kids and just being in the desert, you know, it's really been like a great, so I, I'm thankful for her, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I absolutely feel the same way, you know, about my wife. I, I've just been, um, like we're expecting our first baby together and Congratulations. And, yeah, awesome. man, in February. So 2016 is going to be a wild year. And, um, but you know, just, they, they bring a different vibe to, to, you know, something that you can't, I can't bring myself to the relationship, you know, like my, my girl's always turning me on to cool shit. Like I've been into this tea lately. So she goes to, uh, Santa Cruz for school and yeah. gets, um, these fresh herbs, you know, dried oh. herbs from the tea room or the, it's called the herb room in Santa Cruz. Awesome. And man, it's, it's awesome. You know, you German chamomile to put myself to sleep and, that's you know, awesome. yeah, that's uh, good, man, I mean, sense like that. And, and, you know, things in your body like that really affect you, I think. Mm -hmm. 
and you can really tell. So I'm sure it's worth it for her to go get that and bring it home. You know, I'm sure you could feel it when you <laughs> drink it. Totally. And you know, I, I mean, I'm a coffee guy. Like I love coffee in the morning and I still do that. But, um, the other day I just did, we mixed it, you know, she did a little bit of research and found a tea that was going to be like kind of invigorating and, and focusing. And, um, yeah. I tried it and I legitimately like I'm waiting around to see if it's going to work. So I'm hyper aware of how my body feels and, um, how it normally feels. And man, it was great. It, it truly did. You know, I, I did a podcast and I think it was, uh, the one with Remus and I just felt really fresh and, and good. And I do feel that way, man, like talking about working out, like you feel that way when you get done with the workout, you know, yeah. you feel this, this great energy and, and positivity and, but it's a motherfucker getting out of bed sometimes. <laughs> oh yeah, man. I mean, it's hard. You know, I, I get tired, dude. you know, so I understand that like it's the same way, you know, I feel like it's a, uh, it's a bitch. <laughs> yeah. How was it teaching up in, uh, in Seattle this year at the, as, Portland? or Portland? Yeah. Portland. Uh, yeah, it was good, man. The worldwide tattoo conference is a, is a good event. You know, I think that, uh, Alex DePassi and tattoo now and, you know, uh, off the map and all that. They, they do a really good job, man. I think that it's a lot of information. Um, I think it's a really positive thing, you know. Uh, I'm happy to be a part of it, you know, and uh, I'm really grateful for that stuff. And I, I think that um, – I think it's great, man. I think the teaching part is great. You know, I think that uh, our, our industry, it's necessary. You know, I think – like Megan G. Morris was saying, you know, about the um, – the you know color portrait stuff you said that she said you know the cat's out of the bag you know everybody knows how to do it but um that's where you know interpretation comes in and styles come in you know i think you give everyone what you got and then you watch everyone flourish and see what they got right you know so like right now like you know i see a lot of styles and i see a lot of people killing it and there's people just as technically if not better you know but i'm waiting for the guy to be like flooring you know and then for them to give back and then watch the industry change even more, you know, and there's been many of those, you know, like Jeff Gogues and Carlos Torres is and Bob Tarrell's, you know, and things like this, but I'm waiting for the, you know, the, the blah, whoever I want to, you know, there's someone that's going to be added to that list. You sure. know? Um, with all the information out there, there's two parts of that coin, you know, there's one side where it's easier for tattooers to get good now, but it's harder for tattooers to separate themselves from the herd. You know, I think that um, when I separated and, and not saying that I did anything, but when I got noticed and had that opportunity, I didn't even have to be half as good as some of these dudes out here. Now there's a fucking group of people that are way better than where I was at and they're having trouble rising. You know what I mean? Because there's 20 or 40 or 100 other people or maybe more than that that are just as good doing the exact same thing. It's going to be that person that really stays, you know, and it's not about trying to find a new style and it's not about trying to think outside the box. It's trying to do exactly what's true to yourself and exactly what's true to your heart. Because if you stay true to what you do and what you feel, it'll show. And I think that's the most important thing. And uh, I think a lot of people get caught up in like, oh, I'm going to create a new style or I'm going to do this style. It's like, man, your style will come through. Just do you, you know, and, and, and I think that's what like. And a lot of people ask, they're like, don't you get tired of doing portraits? And I'm like, no, because I'm doing me. You know, that's what I do. You know, and that's what I enjoy. Yeah, it may be boring to you because you want to see something different and new, but I love doing it. It gets me going. I'm excited. You know, so 
do what you need to do, be true. And yeah, whatever. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. It, it's true, man. You, you are going to create what you as an artist is going to create, you know, period. It's, um, I don't think you can explain that to some people where they're not going to get that because maybe they're not a, a creative in that way. You know, they're not going to maybe understand that, Hey, I'm not going to just bust out, you know, this, this other type of, work i enjoy working in this style this is what i love this is what i want to do and learn and and be inspired by is, is yeah. putting these tattoos on and um in this particular way you know or painting this particular piece it's um it was exciting to me to hear you talk about michael husser and and his influence on you and and being around an amazing painter like that and also talk about teaching and teaching at the level of, of a worldwide tattoo conference where you have hundreds and hundreds of people listening to you. And now you're taking this seminar idea and you're bringing it with, um, the help of, uh, a pound of flesh and Sean over there creating this an intimate environment where you can, yeah. you know, give that uh, out to people, that information. And it's exciting to, to see that, that it's not only inspiring other people, but it's inspiring yourself while you're doing it. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy because when, when, like the worldwide tattoo conference is amazing because I get to learn from other tattooers that are giving the seminars, you know? So it's always really inspirational, whether it's something I've learned from something that I knew that's reinstilled or something new that you learn or just some words of inspiration, encouragement, mm -hmm. you know, it's amazing. But then there's another part of this uh, thing where, you know, I I'm going to go helpfully and grow ahead and grow what I'm doing and uh, do more of these, you know, workshops on a, larger scale and, and you know, uh, more people involved. And uh, this is all learning because, uh, you know, there's one thing for a seminar, but then there's another thing for a workshop where you're actually teaching and, and it's, it's, it's real time, you know, and you're actually tattooing with them and you're, you know, telling them what you think and how you think it should be done. And uh, I think it really helps people, you know, I think that uh, I've, I've done three of these workshops and I really think that, um, and it's really intimate. You know, I invite them out to my studio. Uh, they hang out, man. It's two grueling days of learning. But I mean, they get everything I do, you know. And, and it's funny because the last workshop I had, one of the guys that took it, this is his second time taking the workshop at my studio. And he took one with me and Franco where we did black and gray. And he said he learned so much that he took the next one and, and uh, you know what I was the most proud about? The happiest moment. As he said, neither of them were any way identical. They were completely different. And they were. They had a completely different thing going on. And uh, I made sure not to approach it in the same way. And um, I'm actually going to start thinking about that. How do I approach and teach things in different ways instead of doing it one way in one theory? I'm trying to figure out multiple ways. That way people can get more out of me at different times, you know? And it's funny because there was other people in there that had taken my seminar multiple times that said that this was nothing like even like my seminar. There was things that they were glad they took my seminar before because it made them understand what I was doing more, you know? And so I really like, I love that part, man. I think teaching uh, is not only for them, it's for me, you know? And uh, I feel like it's necessary for me to reevaluate what I'm doing and uh, then it's also necessary for me to hear others speak about what they think is important and, and take everything in consideration, you know, and uh, apply those things, you know. 
So I'm fortunate in that way where I, I mean, I've been able to do these things, you know. At the end of the year here, you've been able to experience those things like the Worldwide Tax 2 Conference, these intimate seminars, really fuel that inspiration. Is there a direction you're taking your painting um, right now into the new year, or is it kind it, of just... I think I think most of my painting stuff. The thing about the thing about the way I do my palette with tattooing and painting is they're one and the same. Mm. So when I tattoo, I'm learning all the theory about my painting uh, as far as how color works. And so when I paint, I feel really comfortable and confident. Like I have control over the colors and I have control over what I'm doing. So that that was the point is making it to where when I tattoo and paint. I'm studying color theory and what it's doing constantly, and it's working exactly, you know, as close as it can be, I guess. But um, the painting stuff, I do want to do more. Uh, I don't have the time right now, but so I'm just doing like I did a couple of life studies. Um, I have a couple of little studies. I did a piece recently for Copro uh, Gallery and uh, where's that Santa Monica joint? Yeah. On uh, Copro Copro Gallery. Uh, and that piece sold, you know, they're, they've been really good to me. The, the Copro gallery, they, uh, always asked me to show and, you know, I'm sure if I w wanted to have another art show, they would, you know, go ahead and, you know, let me have a, you know, solo show if I had enough work, but, um, it is something I will pursue more. It's just, um, you're having fun tattooing. Yeah. You know, I think I painted for those three months and I think I painted harder and worked harder at that than I did even tattooing because it's your own time. So I would go to work and stay, dude, all night, like all day, all night. And I think it was grueling, man. I got to give a lot of credit to painters, man, people that do the personal artwork. It's it's definitely a different grind, you know. And and uh, I'm not saying it's harder or easier, but, man, dude, it's solo. So it's, it's a whole different thing, you know. And I think the best part of tattooing is, you know, interacting with other human beings on a daily basis. You know, it keeps your – you kind of – in your – element of sanity you know i think being alone for a while it gets you know lonely and uh i think that you're in your own little world and you get emotional and yeah it's just different and even though i didn't do it that long it's still i noticed what it could do and it was kind of a taste you know sure. but i do, do it again i saw that grind man i you know I, I was fortunate in in my time to have been able to hang out with henry lewis up in san francisco at his studio and and doing that late night grind and seeing how he was producing and what he was producing and, um, you know, that hard work, you know, that's what the people don't see or, or maybe, you know, skim over and don't realize how important that work was in those late nights that he was spending every night after tattooing all day there in the studio painting. And, um, you know, and then, I mean, he's doing killer work like usual collaborating with guys like BJ Betts who you I got to catch up with you at Musink and and see that collaboration you guys did how is it working with like BJ and and, and other artists in these collaborative tattoos I mean the best part about it is being humbled man you know like <laughs> I mean that's that's what I love I love seeing people shine at their potential you know mm -hmm. and I love watching it because uh, whether that's like you know playing music or you know painting or tattooing or you know that when people are truly passionate about what they do, it's cool to watch. So working with people like BJ, you know, um, it's inspirational. He shows me things that I can't do, you know what I mean? And it's pretty crazy. And, it, you know, I learn. I also do it to learn. You know, I've a, I remember you have like epiphanies, you know, and you learn. 
And I remember I was doing a collaboration with Bob Tyrell, and that's when I had a, an epiphany about black and gray because I realized he was doing something that I wasn't. And I wanted to figure that out. And I've done multiple ones with him. And I got to say, man, they were like little mini seminars when I was tattooing <laughs> with them, you know, because you're in the grind with them. It's only you two and you're picking up so much. So you're getting a lot out of it. And uh, hopefully they are too, you know. And uh, like with Paul Booth, you know, I did one with Paul Booth in New York. And his, his style is so powerful and so like fast. That dude didn't look like a Paul Booth when it was done. It didn't even look like I did much. But I love that because it just showed the different styles and how, how differently we work, you know. And I would love to do another one with Paul because I feel like if we took more time with, um, you know, getting it ready, we could really show each other's st styles come through. But uh, it's interesting, man. You learn a lot about the way people work, and it's, it's really cool, man. I think uh, it's fun. It's got to be fun to pick up on those you know, those techniques for application as well as pick up on that vibe that they're putting out, you know, the, the power behind their work and, and how they work, you know, talking to Jeremiah Barber on the podcast and he spoke about getting his back piece by yeah. Guy Atchison, Philip Liu and, and Paul Booth all at the same time, you know, and those guys had to rotate it two at a time because it was too much, for, you know, to take it too much power on the back to take it with three oh, yeah. of them banging on there. But crazy man it's awesome wow. i remember wow. seeing that in the beginning of my career you know like i've been maybe tattooing a year and remember seeing jeremiah's back and stuff it's crazy mm -hmm. do you think about those artists i mean having been able to work with a lot of those guys do you think back and and go do you have these moments like man i was thinking about that during you know that particular guy's style during this moment in my career and and uh and then to be able to like sit and work with them it's got to be super exciting as an artist yeah, I mean, I'm not only in it. I'm a fan of these people, you know, sure. like I mean, Guy Atchison. I got tattooed by early on, Robert Hernandez, Bob Terrell, you know. And uh, I'm a fan of tattoos, you know, I'm a fan of art. So in the beginning, I didn't know what direction. Pretty much like how my style, like doing portraits came about was just from that's what people asked me to do because I guess that's what I excelled at. But I mean, I did like, you know, traditional tattoos. I did, you know. Paul Booth style tattoos, Guy Atchison style tattoos. So there's people in the world walking around with my shitty rendition of their great artwork. You know what I mean? But um, I mean, sorry, people, if you hear that, but you have right. to you, it just went to Paul Booth. <laughs> should have just went to Paul Booth. Exactly, man. You know, shit. That's what we have. We have a lot of probably I know for me in particular, I have a lot of crazy tattoos that i did out there and in, in different shops in minnesota and reno and and san francisco and all over you know and you get to a point hopefully at some time in your career when you can develop some key points that you put into each tattoo that make it you know have a certain power to it and have a certain longevity to it and um, i think that uh it's exciting to see what what this time is giving to tattooing you know it's I don't know how it's going to sort out. You know, we can't pick our underwear 10 years from now, but shit, man, it's fun to be in it. I think that uh, it's just going to keep growing, man. I think that uh, the sky's the limit. You know, I don't think there's any roof on it. So I think that uh, it's just going to keep going, man. I think it's going to, you know, like anything, you know, the good comes with the bad. You know, we've seen the trend with the TV stuff, you know, and, you know, it, it definitely isn't at the peak of the TV stuff right now. I mean, there's, you know, one show ink masters that's out that maybe is doing well you know but um you know who knows how long that'll do well it's already been you know six six seasons in and you know eventually people get tired of watching things you know maybe it'll make it 10 11 seasons you know 
Maybe it'll make it 20. But one thing I know is that it'll keep growing. People will keep coming into it. The hardest part about it is that there's going to be so many great tattooers. It's going to be like painting where people are going to have a hard time to make a living, you know? And so that's why you have to work hard, you know? Um, I really believe, like you were saying earlier about Henry Lewis, you know, and people like this is, uh, it's not about what you show. So like, just say you show all your work on Instagram and you're just doing it for Instagram, you know? Um, if you're not studying and doing stuff outside to be a better, you know, artist or whatever, um, it's really about what you do, you know, on your own time and how you're working towards your goals and how you're trying to figure out, uh, you know, the things like, like for me, you know, um, like I'm a little hurt right now, you know, like my back and stuff and I'm still going to go to the gym and I'm still going to do the things I got to do because I know these are things to help my mind be clear. You know, I'm not going to kill myself, but I'm not posting a selfie at the gym every day, like telling people this is what I'm doing, this is what I'm doing. Or, you know, when I'm at work, you know, I'm not posting every minute I'm at work, you know? So it's like, um, it really is about what you put in on your own time and, you know, not everything's going to give you uh, like gratification or benefit or, you know, you don't got to show everything, you know, that you do or, you know, I just think it's whatever you, the time you put in that people don't know about is the most important time. Mm -hmm. It's not about what you're showing, you know, mm -hmm. so you have to work hard towards your goals, you know, and be willing to sacrifice, you know, sacrifice is everything. It is, man. And thank you, Nico, for this wonderful, inspiring conversation, dude. It's it's again, as a as a tattooer, um, it's I'm such a fan of your work and I, and I love seeing it develop over the last uh, over a decade. And, and it's just wonderful to see the level that you're tattooing at and having such a fun time doing it. And uh, man, I wish you all the best, dude. It's exciting to see. Keep pumping out those uh, selfies from the gym because I'd like to see that you're staying healthy. I want to see these portraits for another 20 years you know yeah, hopefully you know I, I just want to say you know thank you to Solon for having me you know uh this interview and you know thanks joanne and thanks my kids you know and, and thanks my shop you know uh black anchor collective in asperia you know the all the guys i work with you know jamie and you know my brother uh matt you know carlos and eric and ben you know um it really uh I really have a good group of people around me and I got to say, man, I'm thankful, you know, uh, I've had a really great career. So thank you tattooing, you know, and, uh, thanks for all the support everyone gives me. And, uh, I forgot to say too, we said we're going to spoke about, speak about it, but, uh, you know, that anchor product is out and I have other stuff that I have coming out and, uh, you know, I'll have it available on my website. You can order it in bulk and things like that. But, you know, this wasn't to compete with anybody else or anything. Uh, I put it out because the products out there that I that were, you know, available uh, to me, I, I I really couldn't use, man. I, they weren't they wouldn't work for how I work, you know. And uh, that's really all it's all it's about. I gave people the way to make this stuff for you know six seven years, maybe longer. You know, I never wanted anything from it, but um, people like convenience, you know. And so if I know I can make a good product that. Uh, can help the industry grow and have people work similar to the way I work if they like to work that way, then this product will help them, you know. Mm -hmm. um, it's all about intentions of making a better industry and better things out there for people to use, you know. It wasn't anything, you know, the financial part is always a plus. Like I said, every all those things are always, you know, a plus, but it isn't the, the, the thing that drives these, mm -hmm. these choices, you know. So. I think I think ultimately, though, uh, and I've talked about it here on the podcast before, ultimately those products that come out that 
do what they're supposed to do and do it at the highest level will remain. And the ones that are the, just the fly-by-night ideas that somebody's trying to grab a dollar from the tattoo industry are going to fall by the wayside. And it's you're going to see those you know um, consistent hitters that, that hey, stay yeah. around. Exactly. So hopefully this will be that way. And if not, I'm open to feedback because uh, I'm willing to make things better. You know, that's all, all life's about is growth. So, man. Yeah. Thank you, Nico. Good vibrations and good prosperity to you and your family. Right. And, and you uh, thank you for coming on Sullen Radio. Yeah, thank you. Have a good day, man. All right, you too, brother. Take care. Well, that's it, everyone. Season one of Sullen Radio Weekly is in the books. Be sure to check out SullenRadio.com for more info on the show, my event schedule, to pick up a print, hire me to MC your event, or book an appointment to get tattooed. You can also follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Sullen Radio. If you'd like to contact me, you can also do that through SullenRadio.com or by emailing me, joe at SullenRadio.com. Man, what a fun year this has been with Sullen Radio. I appreciate all the support, guys. Everyone who listens, everyone who supports each week, thank you so much. Thank you to Ryan and Jeremy and everyone over at Sullen. Brian Schuler, thanks for the help early on, man. I appreciate it. From Bob Tyrell to Nico Hurtado, thanks to all of my guests. I'm inspired by all of you. Thanks to everyone who listens to the show each week. I'm excited to bring you Season 2 of the show, dropping January 20th, 2016. Get ready for more great guests, good times, and PMA. Now, lastly, thank you to the love of my life, the one who I have the best conversations and time with, my beautiful wife, Natalie. I love you, babe. Have a great right now, everybody. This is Joe Swanson. Listen for me next year on Season 2 of Sullen Radio Weekly, and keep hustling, everybody.